0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King, and today we're talking 5G. I had a great conversation with John Emra, president of the New England region at AT AT&T. If you're like me, you've been watching commercial after commercial about how 5G is here. Some of you may have already gotten one of the new 5G-capable phones. I asked John what 5G is, why it's important to consumers, businesses, and Connecticut's economy alike, and how the way we connect has changed dramatically this year. If you like this episode, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And here is my conversation with John. So, John, let's just start off with what is 5G? I've been hearing about it on commercials for a couple of years now. Um, now the new Apple iPhone has, it, has that capability. Um, so First of all, what is it, and why should consumers and businesses care about five G?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the first thing is, um, you know, five G in its most basic standpoint, its in a basic sense means the fifth generation of wireless technology. Um, and as you think about the advantages of five G versus today's technology, there's really three distinct advantages. The first is 5G networks. They're much faster than current wireless networks, up to 100 times faster than 4G networks. Um, so if you want to think about that, think about it going from like a two-lane highway to two, two 100-lane highways. There just allows for a lot more data. And once you can do that, you can have a lot much much faster uploads and downloads, right? So that first advantage is just faster networks. The second one is the advantage of 5G. It this allows for the support of a lot more devices um, that are part of a, a single node, and if you think about for four in for a four G network that we're sort of used to today, that generally allows for thousands of devices and sensors per square mile. Whereas in a five G network, um, that can allow for millions of sensors uh, within that same mile. So these these five G networks just support the ability of you know a really hyper connected world where you can have data and sensors all over the place. And the third real advantage is it's a it's a much more responsive network, about five times more responsive than 4G networks. And in the industry, we refer to that as latency, right? So if you can get less latency and have a more responsive network, you can do all kinds of cool things, right? Like autonomous vehicles, right? Where you, you can imagine, right? A, a self-driving vehicle, um, you can't have latency and lag in the network. And things like virtual reality, too. If you've ever worn a virtual reality headset, um, sometimes you can, um, those networks, when they get slow, they can, they can literally make you somewhat seasick. Um, 5G allows for virtual reality without with the elimination of that kind of seasickness. And so once you can do that and you can get these really hyper-connected networks with really low na- latency um, and a lot of throughput, you can do all kinds of great things with it, right? You can, um, you know, it, it enables you really to pull together a lot of data and insights um, that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get. Um, so that's, that's, I think the, the real difference as you think about when you hear 5g equated to those three things, you know, you know, faster, um, a lot more connections and a lot more responsive.
0: Okay. Awesome. Thank you for putting it in layman's terms for us. Um, so, I mean, you sort of tapped into it and, uh, speed and connectivity and response time. Those are things, I, especially with me, if I could just bring in a personal anecdote, those are things that have been incredibly important to me working from home over the past, you know, gosh, nine months or so, um, especially with even uh, doing this podcast. I've done most of this podcast from home um, and having uh, more accessibility to data, you know, on my phone or through um, Wi-Fi and things like that. um, That's really critical. And that's been critical for everyone that's been working remotely um, and uh, communicating more through Zoom, video calls, things like that. So, how is 5G going to change how we communicate? Um, I mean, it has the way we communicated already changed and then 5G is just rolling out now to respond to that? I mean, what have we learned um, during so, the past nine months about connectivity?
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting, Shannon. So I, I like to think about, um, you know, how 5G is going to change how we communicate by looking backwards first. And then I think, I think it helps to inform sort of what the future looks like. So if you first think about you know what we call 1G or first G mobile um, communications, that was the idea. That was those first 1G networks that allowed for like a mobile phone call, right? Um, and and how that changed how we operated, right? We didn't have to go to a pay phone if we remember what those things are like, right? It allowed you to conduct business essentially from anywhere, right? So that was what 1G did. Um, 2G allowed for kind of the next the, the next generation. But that was at a most basic level allowed for text messaging, right? So. Text messaging came with 2G. 3G was kind of the next quantum leap, and that allowed for the smartphone, right? Um, You know, the iPhone, um, it was really the one that really um, popularized the idea of a smartphone, but 3G allowed for smartphones, and that allowed for a lot of different ways to communicate, right? Now all of a sudden you have your email with you all of the time, right? You have the ability to look at the web all of the time. You know, you really essentially had an office in your pocket and the ability to do all kinds of things you otherwise couldn't do. And then 4G, as we think about 4G, 4G allowed, to, as we think about sort of what it's really, how was impactful, probably the most important thing it allowed for was video streaming, right? And you think about the fact that prior to 4G, you didn't really watch a lot of people. Consumers didn't consume a lot of video necessarily on their phone, and now they do it all of the time, right? So now, all right, what does it mean for 5G? And I would argue for 5G, some of the things you'll see is, as I mentioned, because it allows for virtual and augmented reality in a really meaningful way, I think that will, you know, 5G will sort of change the way we communicate like that. And if you think about teleconferencing, today, right, we've all gotten very used to Zoom, right, and um, uh, WebEx and Microsoft Teams. I don't want to be agnostic in terms of um, w- which platform we're talking about, but um, we've all sort of gotten used to that. But um, I think 5G, what it's really going to do is allow for teleconferencing, which is much more immersive for the user. So that's kind of, I think, one of the things you'll see on, in terms of how it changes. And then if you think about, you, you mentioned it, you know, I think we've learned a lot right through COVID, right, how we've, you know, it's changed sort of how we communicate. Um, and again, let me give you some, I think, some pretty interesting statistics. Um, you know, from, from 2007 onward, AT&T, and I'm talking just about my company at this point, we saw data traffic on our networks increase by about five hundred eighty thousand percent. Right? You think about all of the data that's increased. The data traffic has just exploded on our network. By the way, much of it is really attributable to people consuming video on their phones or on their iPads. Um, so we just had a lot of data usage going on anyway, just from two thousand seven onward. People, the amount of usage of people on their phones, the data usage just exploded. And then during this pandemic, we just seen, you know, the growth just continue to, to just continue to increase. We've seen network usage up by more than 20% during the pandemic, right? And why is that? Because people are using all of these phones and their iPads and the like, um, to connect remotely where like they never have before. Um, and I would suspect that, you know, what you'll see with 5G is it enables us to continue to sort of make leaps and bounds in terms of connectivity, um, helps to help to sort of further that cause of being able to communicate. Um, but it's definitely, I think COVID has shown us, if anything, um, you know this is a hyper-connected world that demands that you always be connected, always be on. And I think 5G will help to enable that in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you mentioned a little bit of what AT&T um, alone as a company is doing with this expansion of 5G because I know many other cellular companies um, are rolling that out for their customers. But can you talk specifically about Uh, what AT&T has done over, you know, I'm sure this has been uh, in the works for a very long time. Um, But what have you seen so far with the expansion of 5G uh, in Connecticut in particular?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you mentioned um, earlier that you've seen a lot of commercials and no doubt, um, you know, the marketing on this has been, uh, been pretty intense. And I think people really thought that 2020 would sort of be the the kind of the kickstart of of 5g and i think it 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 is but i'd also say you know we're very much in sort of the early days of this process but we're also poised for really tremendous growth um i think it's important to understand there's a couple of different types of 5g being deployed both by at&t and by our competitors and um and it's i think it's good for people to understand what those different type types are so First, this is what, what's known as low band, low or mid band 5G, and that kind of 5G uses signals that tend to travel really far and they propagate well, or they go through things like buildings and walls and windows and the right and the like. Um, it has a lot of the advantages that I talked about earlier in terms of faster speeds and connectivity and, and also uh, reducing latency, all of those things. Um, but it, the advantage of these low and mid band spectrums using that spectrum is that the signal really propagates widely, right? So you can make that 5G service available to a really broad section um, of your state, or in the the case of Connecticut, to a broad section of Connecticut. So that's one sort of what we tend to think of as one brand or one type of 5G. The other type of 5G or high-band 5G, and you've probably also heard of as perhaps called as millimeter-wave 5G, So that uses a different type of spectrum to provide really the fastest speed, the most responsive network, right? It it is, um, when you think about the, the, the things that make 5g, you know, so far ahead of 4g, it's really typically over the high band or millimeter wave networks. Now those, that spectrum is really great, except for one thing, the signals don't propagate, they don't travel very far and they can actually be blocked by things like walls, windows, even, you know, foliage on the trees can knock down that signal. So each of these two spectrums, the low and the mid band spectrum and the high band or millimeter wave spectrum, they both have their different use cases, right? And at AT AT&T, we're using sort of a, a mix of both technologies. We're using low and low band 5g to serve really large areas and high band or millimeter wave spectrum in areas where we think there's really huge demand and then where it makes the most sense, right? So think of, think of places like a football stadium, right? On a Sunday, uh, Pre-COVID, when it was filled with people, we had a lot of demand. That's some place where we might use that that high-band technology. Um, so our low-band five G is is available nationwide in just about 335 markets or so, um, and we now make it available in much of Connecticut. That low band is already available, and that five G, what we call that high-band spectrum, what we call it AT five G five G plus. That's available in parts of 35 cities, and we're looking at deployments here in Connecticut as well in specific instances where it makes um, the most sense to deploy that kind of spectrum. So um, those are kind of the different, the different types of 5G. So I, I think, as I said, it's early right now, um, but we're already, we're already starting to deploy and turn on these networks, um, and people are starting to see the advantage. And like you said, um, this Christmas ends up being really important, right? Um, Apple has launched its 5G phone. Um, that has, you know, been very, very successful in the marketplace already, as have other device manufacturers like Samsung and LG. And as you see more people buy those devices, um, they'll be able to experience these 5G networks.
0: Okay, that's that's really awesome. So, um it, that kind of made me sad when you were talking about the uh high band 5G in small areas like at a uh, at a basketball game or at a football game. I miss being there. Um and sure. it's always impossible to get service. You're trying to upload photos or videos of you being there and it takes forever because everyone else is trying to do the same thing. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> I mean you you yeah, you I mean, you know, the good news is at some point and I think as a result of all the great work the pharmaceutical industry is doing, we we will be back right we'll be back in those venues and we'll be back um and i think probably we will probably appreciate we, what we have a little bit more um and when we do do that right we'll have these networks that'll be available for people because you're right like if any of you've ever tried to share a share a photo right while you're sitting in a, in a stadium right the experience usually kind of stinks and i think one of the great things about these millimeter wave networks is that you can really address that which is uh, i think i think from a consumer perspective something that's really going to be impactful
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. So um, this sounds like, obviously, this is going to be great for everyone, but I want to ask specifically about businesses, maybe innovators, entrepreneurs, um, people who are maybe more on the go, less in the office, obviously, um, you know, post-COVID when we really head back to the office or back to those larger meetings. So um, what does this mean for uh, those types of people who uh, maybe are developing you know, AI or virtual reality or, you know, these types of applications?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's a really good question. And I tend to think about, um, you know, because people always say to me, well, you know, wh- what am I really gonna, wh- what's 5G really gonna mean to me? And I always say that, you know, I can tell you but as I started off this conversation, right, that it's gonna be faster networks and more, you know, quicker downloads and all the rest. But what it should really be thought of as, as, as frankly, as, as a platform for innovation, right? Um, you know, carriers like AT&T are building these networks and making them available, you know, for smart entrepreneurs um, and innovators to then use those networks to drive, you know, the next big thing, right? Um, so, in our, arguably, in the 4G network, the next big thing was things like streaming video, ride-hailing apps, and the like, right? I think that in the 5G world, as we build these networks, we turn these networks on, you will see innovators take advantage of them, right? Come up with really smart ways and come up with the killer app that really drives adoption and makes people understand just how important they are. Um, but the, the really great thing is, you know, it is a platform for innovation. So it's open for, it's open for other people to take advantage of these investments um, and to make a real difference, a meaningful difference to people. And I, so I think that, you know, it's hard for me to put my finger on it. I wish I could tell you, by the way. If so I could tell you exactly what was going to be the next cool thing, I would personally go and invest in it. But I think what it really does is, is serve as that platform um, for innovation for somebody, for, for, you know, these really smart people to figure out how to really drive innovation um, and, and drive the economy as a result of it
0: just from personal experience, um, I do not have a 5g phone yet. Um, I'm, I'm waiting. Um, but I do know a few people that have, uh, jumped and got 5g, uh, capable phones. And, um, you know, what they found is like, you know, it's a little, it's still early and you're talking about, you know, these networks are still being built. These connections are still being, um, built, especially in Connecticut. So, um, is there anything that like the state can do to make this more widely available? Like, is does this just happen each time a new uh, G rolls out? Uh, it just really takes some time for those networks to be built by all the you know um, cellular companies, um, or is there something that the state can do to help?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, um, and I, I will give a lot of, um, credit here because I think Connecticut in a lot of respects, um, has done things the right way. They've taken, they've already taken some good and positive steps, um, to sort of aid in that transformation to 5g. Um, I, I think the most important thing to understand is right. to make 5g work. You have to upgrade the existing wireless networks, right? The ones that are already in place. You need to upgrade all of those networks and then you need to supplement them, right? Both with like new large, think about a large wireless tower. So we need to build more of those, so new new, new towers. And we also need to build what we call small cells, which are, um, you know, as the, name, as the name indicates, you know, smaller versions of those big towers um, that typically get mounted on utility poles and the like. Um, and we need to build a lot of them um, to really make these networks work. And, you know, Connecticut has in place some really good rules, we think, that help to aid in the deployment, um, you know, the uh, Deep Commissioner Katie Dykes, when she was the chairwoman of PURA, which is our Public Utility Regulatory Authority, um, she helped us set up a really common sense set of rules for putting small cells in the public right away on utility poles, as you see all around the state of Connecticut. That helped a lot, right? And is probably one of the best rules that exist anywhere in the country in terms of encouraging investment while at the same time respecting the concerns of, of neighbors and the budding property owners. So that was one good thing that was done. And the other thing is, um, Governor Lamont, you know, I joke, he's been, um, I, I kind of call him inside at t he's sort of Governor 5G. He's been one of the biggest advocates for 5G um, of any governor in the country. Um, he introduced in his first term, a piece of legislation and signed into law, a measure to create a state's 5G council. Really, and it makes it, fundamentally makes it much simpler for the industry to use state land to, to deploy 5G infrastructure. So you think about us. Wanting to put uh, 5G infrastructure um, along a highway, um, something like that, he's made it much easier for us um, to, to be able to do that. I, I tend to think of it and equate it as um, you know, it's essentially a, a front door for us. You know, for business, any business, um, it's hard doing business sometimes for the state of Connecticut and with an individual agency. And if you wanted to build a, a wireless facility at a, on some state land, you almost didn't know where to go or who to or where to, you know, who to ask. So the state has created this council, which is essentially a front door. So you go and knock on that front door and say you're interested in deploying, and, and then you go through that process and apply through them. And he's also been, he and his administration have also done some other things. We entered into a really novel agreement that we announced um, just earlier this year um, to, for the first time, really uh, bring 5G, you know, next-generation 5G service along Metro North, the Metro-North Railway from um, New Haven into, into New York, right? So that was a big thing and an important thing to commuters. Um, and we think once folks are back on the train, um, they will appreciate um, the improvements that we're in the process of making to, uh, to that network. And that is in no small part to, uh, to the administration, the work it's done.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome to hear that these things have been put in place. I know AT&T and other, other telecoms companies have been, um, you know, really working with those those local and those state governments um, to reach this this technology far and wide. So uh, that sounds awesome. I mean, I do, I can't wait to get my 5G phone. I'm going to hold on to my iPhone 11 for a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this because I, I know and you certainly know how important uh, technology and greater speed is uh, to our lives whether working from home or just you know we're getting busier and busier it seems every year and just moving more so having that speed and reliability um, that's that's just gonna be the future.
1: yeah, you know and I think about um, Connecticut's economy right and the impact on Connecticut's economy I, I think it'll be particularly important to Connecticut right if you think about just two industries that are really important to Connecticut one, being precision manufacturing and the other, right, healthcare. I'll just take those two. Um, you know, 5G really has the capacity to revolutionize the factory floor, right? If you use 5G technology, manufacturers can really, automize, uh, you know, optimize their, their factory floor in a way they haven't been able to before, right? That means you need greater use of robots and all that stuff. And it also allows those manufacturers to use their space better, right? Today, if they happen to have um, robots on their factory floor um, helping the manufacturer, you know, often those things are, are connected, you know, through through wires, it ends up taking a lot of space, and it, and it inhibits their ability to be able to really use their space to maximum advantage, right? And they really can't turn things over. They don't have as much flexibility. In, in a 5G, you know, um, centric world, it allows them to really make a hyper-connected factory floor, which I think will be important. And then if you think about healthcare, right, when you can have all of these devices connected at one time, right, you can better monitor patients, which I think is incredibly important, you combine all of that data, right. And all, and all these sensors, you combine that with, with, with AI, you can get really better diagnoses for patients and better outcomes for them as well. So I think, um, it'll, it'll be really important to Connecticut's economy in particular, given, you know, those couple of key sectors to our economy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those are two incredibly important sectors as we know. So, um, I'm sure, I'm sure that they're certainly looking forward to this technology as well. So, um, well, John, thank you so much for talking with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Jim.
0: For the latest Connecticut business news, events, and resources, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.